You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Just wanted to say one thing. Yeah. That one vote against Lamaxon, that jeopardizes why sports writers, people talk about how sports writers yeah. shouldn't be voting. Yeah. That was a stupid, not homer right. vote by that individual, probably scared to go back in the locker room if he had voted against 100%. Josh Allen. That compromises everything. You have to be objective when you have a vote. And that writer, that writer was, I don't know who the hell it was, but that's an embarrassment. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know who the hell it was. He says it. <laughs> Just, that's all you needed. You know what? Aaron's there. He was on the show. He was on um, with Shulton the Bulldog the other day. Aaron should just walk up to Stephen A. Smith today and go, Stephen, me, it, me, right here. I yeah. am the guy. I'm the guy. What are you doing? Why are you voting? Well, here's why. Here's my reasoning. You're a homer. No, here's my reasoning. Uh, I'm going to have to. Mm. So I, 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 quote, I quote tweeted that. And of course, you know, somebody said, "Well, that's you know his goal is to get people to react, and that's true. That's what we do in this business, and I get it, like Stephen A. And but I, I think he's speaking truthfully what he believes. But here's one from Henry. Says the issue is the guy who gave him the vote. Joe, you're going to like this one. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to put this one out there. The issue is the guy who gave him the vote works for fantasy football. Josh is clear MVP in fantasy, just not in real football. Who said this? This is a tweet from Henry to me. Uh, no, that's not that's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, no. he might have been. Did he finish his quarterback one again in fantasy? He let me double check. He did, but if you look at like I don't know, like value upon where you pick guys in fantasy, he wasn't number one. If that makes sense. He was the highest scorer, but where you had to pick him, he wasn't the most valuable. The most valuable would have been a guy like Puka Nakua that you got at the end and then was the number two receiver. So, I don't know. Yeah, he puts up fantasy What did you, um, you think of the actual show last night? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't good actually watch a ton of it. Oh, you did okay. uh, I only got the bits and pieces I saw on social media. <laughs> um, last night was an early bedtime for me. So, But what I did see was Kirk Cousins and... Um, Oh, who was with him? Cam Jordan uh, doing the Magic Mike dance routine, which was pretty funny. I like yes, that. that was great. That was great. This is like me saying, like, I told you last week I didn't watch a single second of the Pro Bowl, the flag football game, yeah. none of that stuff. But I actually watched the entire award ceremony. I like award ceremonies. Watched the Grammys the other night. I like this. I love the monologues. Yeah. Some of the jokes uh, were funny. Some were a bit, eh, but some were funny. You know, Keegan Michael Key the, was the host, right? Yeah. Again? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's good. I would bet that. Yeah. The good. um, the in memoriam, you know, is always interesting to know. Like, wow, I don't believe that 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 person passed away. Some some young people, some people that, um, you know, tied to the Bills over the years as well. Uh, Kadish, I think Mike Kadish, I think was the name. There mm-hmm. was a Buffalo Bill in there that we saw. It was a good award ceremony, and they had um, they had a, a I'm sorry, her name escapes me. A woman from CBS News who presented one of the awards, and I thought it was cool. She came out and she goes, listen. I've been involved in a lot of things like this. This is a really well-produced show. Like, like she was like speaking, like, I wasn't told to say this. I'm just telling you. I've been a part of this. So I think the NFL does it right. They've gotten it right. And I, it, it made me think a little bit of back in the day, Joe. Like, we would just get these, this news filtering out. Hey, this guy won MVP. Hey, this guy won whatever. Now they've made this huge award show with it, and it's a big deal. And the NFL's just kind of figured all that out and how to do it right. Were you surprised at all that Josh Allen wasn't there? I was a bit surprised, 
And then I realized he must have been told he's not winning MVP. I mean, mm-hmm. he, that would have to be, right? He was told. Yeah. And then I thought, well, it's still like, shouldn't he be there? He's kind of a finalist. But you know what? It's maybe him just going, hey, look, what, what does it do for me? I don't. I'm. Go- he was playing trivia with the Barstool guys. Right. Yeah. Or he was on. Uh, he had that. He was walking around Radio Row with that. Uh, he had that big subway like bank container that had like foot long chocolate chip cookies in the inside. So, also, right. If you know he he. Uh, I mean, he proved this right by not going to the Pro Bowl for a couple of years. I don't. I don't criticize him for. It. I don't care. But yeah, I think you you know Josh enough at this point to know that uh, he he'd rather you know. He'd rather go to Pebble Beach. Maybe he'd rather go to the Strip for a night rather than go to the Honors and like I don't know, do some do some league event that he's not really benefiting from in the first place. Josh Allen fifth in the NFL MVP voting last night. Demar Hamlin second in the Comeback Player of the Year. By the way, Demar had far more first place votes. You see that he had eight. Joe Flacco? Fir- he had eight more first place votes, but yeah. he got left off eight people's ballots. I think in general, which cost him wild. I don't get it. I, it's especially man. Last year at the end, the whole league rallied around and supported him, and the players too. Like I can't believe the players uh, in their voting because they had their own comeback player of the year award and they voted for Tua. Like what? What happened in a year? Did did everybody just not know what he was as a player? Was everybody expecting him to come out and be Ed Reed? And win comeback player of the year. Like, he, before, I mean, I guess his role did go down. He started 13 games the year before. And this year he did not really play much at all. But I just think if you were expecting DeMar Hamlin to come out and make some giant impact on the field, you didn't really know what DeMar Hamlin was as a player. That's right. And again, one of the issues with comeback player is there is no clear, like, it's such a different interpretation. It's actually, Joe... It's the same thing with MVP, right? I don't like... I think we've had this discussion, and I think you and I are on the same page, which is mm-hmm. MVP, to me, I don't like that it's most valuable to his team or whatever sport. It should be the MOP, right? To me, I would vote for MVP just based on who had the best year. Who's the best player in the league that year? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you got to be valuable to your team. Like, it's hard. If I have a... If it's close to me, and you know, there's a guy who was just incredible and his team didn't make the playoffs another guy who was and his team did i'd probably lean to the guy who's did because he was more valuable to them but to me the mvp should be just the guy with the best year man like that's the mvp of the league yeah the the guy by the way what it does say in the description of comeback player of the year you don't have to get too technical i guess with this it's why flacco mm-hmm. won but it does say uh, overcoming either not being in the NFL the previous year, severe injury, or simply poor performance. What does Flacco qualify under there? I guess simply poor yeah. performance? I mean, he was in the league as a backup, um, which I guess, you know, that usually qualifies here as well. It's just the dude's heart stopped on the field. Come on, what are we do? What are we doing? Maybe they'll name the award after him. I, I keep seeing that take out there. Maybe they Maybe they'll do that. And the guy who won it actually said a few weeks ago that DeMar deserved it. I yeah. I th- that's actually a question I was going to ask you. One, does that would that change anything? Had Flacco said that before they voted, would people have changed their minds? I think it might have. I think it might have, yeah. And two, if, if Flacco had said that before the end of the regular season and before the voting had been finalized, yeah. I yeah. I think it could have swayed a few voters, yes. I think so too. And also, if they re-voted for MVP today, who would win? 
Ooh, good question. I think, well, Mahomes would be way higher. He would definitely be way in higher. the top five, I would think. Uh-huh. He would get votes. It might even be tougher to answer that question now because you have, like, Mahomes is the guy standing here at the end, but he didn't have his standard of season. He didn't have the numbers compared to maybe Allen would be more likely, despite the fact that he, you know, didn't make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Let's get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Let's go to Tim in Charlotte. Hi, Tim. You're on the Extra Point Show. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. hopping on, so I don't know if you guys have already talked about it up until this point, but I just want to make two points and then go ahead and hang up on me because I want to listen to your takes. But the first one is with DeMar Hamlin. How NFL is it to just completely milk a storyline for the better half of a calendar year and then completely just throw him to the wayside for a dude off the couch? That's the first point that I want to make. The second one is about Josh Allen. I I don't know what I'm – maybe I'm crazy. I'm sure you guys have talked about it all morning. But how is this guy throwing for more touchdowns than the dude who won MVP, five more to be exact, and then also running for more touchdowns, setting a record, by the way, for, than the often, running for more touchdowns than the offensive player of the year. Like, am I just crazy? And then, and then of course, finishing fifth. I, I don't know. Those are just the two points that I want to make. Feel free if you want to ask me anything, cut yeah. me off. That's fine. I just, no, no, no. I, I'm going I'm to put you on hold so you can hear us, and then you know we'll okay. revisit. But one thing, Tim, that you just brought up. Joe, this is also something I thought of a lot about. Where was Josh Allen on Offensive Player of the Year voting in any respect? Nowhere. Don't they... Okay, wait, wait. He did finish sixth. I'm sorry. I'm looking sixth now. He was sixth. Okay. I was thinking that quarterbacks usually never get that voted for, but I don't know how that works. But McCaffrey won it. Yeah. And was still in the MVP race and finished third. Tyreek Hill was second. He got MVP votes. C.D. Lamb was third. Lamar Jackson was fourth for Offensive Player of the Year. Then Dak, then Josh Allen. Yeah, I guess I did. Who beat out Brock Purdy for that award, by, for that voting, by the way. Okay. I guess I didn't realize that quarterbacks ever win Offensive Player of the Year because Mahomes did win it in 2018. He was the last quarterback to win it. Matt Ryan won it. Cam Newton won it. Right. I mean, it mostly is running backs and wide receivers, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I didn't think of that one because I usually think of Offensive Player of the Year as that's the award we give the running backs and receivers because we know yeah. they're never going to win MVP. It generally is. Um, so, yeah. Tim, yeah, Tim, I, I, I agree with like that part of it. Look, I, I've said, Tim, that I have no problem with Lamar winning MVP. I think in the construct of the award, as much as I say it should be the guy who had the best year, to me that might be Josh Allen. I think Lamar had a sensational year, and he didn't throw for as many touchdowns or even run for as many, but I think the body of work overall was pretty remarkable and he kept the turnovers down and he still had a really good year and his team won a lot of games based on a lot of what he did yeah I, I think that that's fair and I, I don't want to come off and, and I'm sure you guys are taking calls all morning about you know potentially like me sounding like a Bill's homer or anything like that I'm just thinking like when when you sit back and you compare resumes over the course of the season yes Lamar didn't have the roller coaster ride that Josh Allen did and his team wasn't also on the brink of not not even making the playoffs but man, oh man, when you just look at them side by side, it's like it just seems like what are we doing? I don't know. Thanks, guys. I, I really yeah, that, that that would be if you do that statistically. I agree, Joe. How much of the very first week, Josh Allen throwing three interceptions, sunk his MVP candidacy at the end of the season? I think it might, might be quite a bit. It might have. He he was never yep. really the favorite after that. It was the right. first impression of everybody all year. Yeah, I I 
I think it could have, but I I don't know because it's well maybe it's both your first impression, but also the just nature of what have you done recently? You know, like I think Lamar at the end, like again, he was kind of the leader in the clubhouse. He hadn't had a big screw up at the end of the year, so therefore he's in the lead. And for comeback player of the year, I wonder if a factor there is that the Hamlin story was a year ago. The Flacco story is all within the last 50 days. And the recency bias that could be involved there, I think, might have pushed Flacco over the top just because of that, because you had to wait a year to vote for DeMar Hamlin. Something else I saw today. Did you see the interview with Josh with Florio and Chris Sims? Um, A little bit. I saw snippets. Okay. If you watch the interview, it's really interesting. They talk about the season and, you know, there, there's some stuff in there. Four minutes in, there's a question about the season turning around and offensive coordinator and the change. Josh Allen, unprompted, brings up the Tyler Dunn article. Okay. It is the first time I have heard this much extensive talk from a player about the article and the impact on the team. Okay. And I think people should go listen to it. He basically says, and we can play the audio, but no need. I'll just direct people there if they want to do it and then listen. But he he's asked, and he goes, yeah, and you know, right at that time there was an article that came out. Like, Josh brings it up unprompted. And then he goes into, we really rallied around Coach McDermott, and, and he talks extensively about you know how much he loves Sean McDermott, and that was a big deal. Um, I just thought it was interesting, and Florio then says that Rasul Douglas told him that that was the, the that there was a whatever McDermott said to the team after that. Remember that day Sean called the press conference said he was going to talk to the team. Remember that mm-hmm. when that happened? Yep. Florio says Rasul Douglas told him whatever Sean said to the team meant a lot, and like that was a moment things turned for them. Look, of course, like you, you they mm-hmm. didn't. They didn't win everything. They went on a run. They did lose a game after that. Um, but, well, they didn't actually. They won on the five-game win streak, I think, right after the bye, whatever it was. Yeah, they did. But yep. the point I'm making is I just thought it was interesting, Joe, that this was the most I had heard a player talk about this and the impact on the team. I don't think I had ever heard anybody really reference it directly. Not not the right. players. I know McDermott had. Correct. But I had not heard a player do that. And for the player to be Josh Allen, too. Yeah, I mean, because a third of the piece, 20,000 words, the the part three of it was all about Allen. It was, the title of it was Let Josh Be Josh, I think. So for Allen to come out and, and talk about it, I think is maybe even more critical than, I mean, who else could, I mean, if Diggs had said it, you know, the way, the space he's in right now, maybe yeah, that right, could have meant right. more, but I think Allen saying it, you know, has to go as long away as anybody else. All right, let's uh, get to Matt on a cell. Hey, Matt, what's going on, buddy? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, just calling to kind of throw my two cents in about the Comeback Player of the Year award. And honestly, I'm curious to hear what you say. Uh, first of all, I didn't think DeMar really should have probably made the roster over Anderson or Marlowe uh, back in August. However, uh, he did. And I just didn't know if the if the award is based on coming back or is it making a comeback? And if we can differentiate between the two, I mean, Hamlin, 
hardly saw the field, and when he did, he was more often a liability than an asset this season, where despite his personal story and despite his personal achievement of making it back, which is great, uh, and all this, the awareness that he brought to the NFL community, but I definitely thought a guy like Joe Flacco, who came back and pretty much excelled on a decimated team, I, I just thought that they chose the right player. What do you all think? Uh, Matt. No, Matt, stay on the line because I want to touch on this. I'd like Joe, I'd like you to touch on the comeback part and related to the Alex Smith thing you talked about. Let me talk first mm-hmm. about Demar as a player. He's not a he's he's the he's a depth safety. He's the fifth safety on the roster. The team is also aware, Matt, that if he has to play safety, like they're not in a great spot. He's a special teams player, and I know what happened at the end of the year with the you know fake punt and all that. That's not his role. So to say, you know, well, he hardly played. He didn't. He played a lot. He he didn't dress every game. I get that. But he was a depth player. He made the roster like other guys. Alec Anderson is inactive every week. You know, um, Ryan Vandermark, mm-hmm. I think, you know, inactive sometimes, right? The, that happens. You have to, you can only choose certain guys who can be active. Um, but for his role, uh, if you thought Dean Marlowe should have made the roster, maybe, I don't know. He's an older guy. Um, he's not going to play. He's not going to be probably as effective on special teams necessarily as DeMar Hamlin. But that was his role. So I think it's a little unfair to put him in that category, Matt. But I understand and yes, he was not a player you wanted to see on defense because, but that's not his position. And Matt, and then Joe, you mm-hmm. talked about this as far as what the award means as far as coming back or versus come back. Right. Like, just in special circumstances, what the award, go look up the definition of come back. You know, do whatever you need to do. You, the guy that came back from death is the, to anything, playing football at all. When I don't know, how hard was that mentally? Maybe we'll find out someday. Maybe we'll write a book or maybe we'll hear you know, more about it. What mentally it took to come back from being in a coma for multiple days after his heart stopped on the football field and then being able to return to the football field within a year. I mean, right. Part of this is the expectation of the player. What was the expectation of the player? I mean, and also what maybe could be added in here is Hamlin, who started 13 games the year before, they had to treat their offseason like they didn't know what they were going to get out of him, right? Like, they had to make sure Cam Lewis was going to be back in the fold. They had to go sign Taylor Rapp to make sure. I mean, I never thought Hamlin was horrible when he played defense in 2022. He wasn't great by any means. But the Bills, I'm sure, made moves and treated their offseason as though hey, we just got to design it as though we don't know what we're getting here because he went through something nobody else ever has and we need to prepare it just in case. So what was left for him? A special teams role, uh, an active depth safety role because that's what DeMar Hamlin is. But that was always known. That was always known. So when you look at recent examples like Alex Smith winning MVP or winning comeback player of the year only four years ago, there's just a very recent example of you're, we know you're willing to give the guy the award based on what he overcame off the field just to get onto the field. Because Alex Smith stunk when he came back and only played, by the way, six games four years ago in one comeback player of the year. And I'm sure if I go even deeper back in time, I could find other examples of when that happened. Um, I don't know. And by the way, it's not like the whole league was out to get him. It's not like all voters were out to get him. He had eight more first-place votes than Joe Flacco mm-hmm. did. He is, in part, you know, not the comeback player of the year because of the award system, because of the voting system. Because I think 
the his nature. Sam Monson got to this from PFF. The reason Hamlin lost is if you didn't vote for him for first, you couldn't vote for him for second. It's why he got left off those ballots mm. because you're well, you're not going to give him second place if you're if you're qualifying him under the award, he wins it. There's there's no other outcome. If you are just going on, you have to have special performance on the field. You're leaving him off your ballot. So there's a lot of things that go into it. I just think, given that there are examples of guys that came back from ex- extreme circumstances that just got back on the field and won this thing, I think DeMar Hamlin should have been the obvious choice. So, Matt, I think at the end of the day it comes down to how you define it, right? We talked about the definition of these awards and what they are. I, I think that you could make it a case that you know a guy has to – you know, if you want to, you could say, hey, well, you know what? He came back and was had this season after not having a very good year – or guys, you know, a lot of times it's guys come back from injuries, but he was never going to be a guy, and the expectation was it was going to play a lot, but he still played, and I and I think to me that mattered after what he went through. I think you guys are um, Only other thing I've got to say before you let me go is Josh Allen would have been my vote as well, and yep. if you com- if it had to go to a quarterback this year, I don't know why he didn't get it, because the staff from Lamar's hands down. Okay, Matt, thanks for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Neil in North Carolina. What's up, Neil? Hey, thanks for taking my call. First, on the uh, Josh Allen, um, looking at the stats, he was fourth in yards. Lamar was 15th. Passing, touchdowns, Josh was fourth. Lamar was 15th. Rushing, Josh was one. Lamar was fifth. Total touchdowns, Josh was one. Lamar was ninth. It's crazy to even imagine that. And I always thought the MVP award, most valuable player for their team. Who is more valuable valuable than Josh Allen? Who? It drives me crazy. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were done. Apparently, people thought Lamar was. I, I don't have an argument with, like, I don't think you could. Lamar was very valuable to his team, by the way, Joe. Yeah, the defense was very good. So was the Bills defense. He also didn't have great receivers. Like, we talk about the Bills receivers hmm. and not being able to separate or letting him down at the end of the year. Lamar didn't have great receivers. Like, I, I, I'm uncomfortable kind of putting Lamar down in this, like, this conversation because hmm. I think he's a worthy MVP choice this year. I really do. I think it's fine. I, I, might have, I don't have a vote. I might have voted for him. I didn't go that deep into it to think about. I'm also closer to the situation with Josh Allen here. I get that. But I think there were two guys you could have definitely – put on uh, up front for your first place vote and those were the only two to me i i would have put those two i would have put dak in in the trio as well i think those are the three i think you can most make a case for um Mm -hmm. dak i just think was the most efficient quarterback in the league all year he had some bad games at the end which i think kind of hurt it right and maybe would be why i wouldn't have voted for him if i had a vote but the totality of the year dak was hyper efficient i mean th- 4500 yards 36 touchdowns led the league 70% completion like the numbers are there for dak and the regular season success was there but right like that bills game i think really dak was not that far off i think if the if the cowboys beat the bills in buffalo i think dak's the mvp you know what maybe and you know what when i looked at his numbers today they were better than i realized i guess i knew he had a nice year he actually Josh had 44 total touchdowns, 22 interceptions or yeah. turnovers, total turnovers. He had 38 and 11. That's a great ratio. That's very good. 
It's very Dak. good. And he is um he's someone that got criticized for the picks last year. And mm-hmm. this year started to really wipe those away. He went down from 15 to 9. 15, by the way, in 12 games to 9 in 17 games. So, like, a third of the interceptions by percentage. Um, so, I would have made a case for Dak, too. I might have still got to him third behind Allen and Jackson. But the whole the whole point here is the, the whole outrage is that Allen was fifth. Like, I can get to Dak as a third-worthy guy. Right. And some can, I'm yes. sure, get to the Niners guys. But... Allen to be behind all four of them is pretty is pretty weird to me. We got a weekend coming up with the Sabres playing an afternoon game tomorrow and then the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll get into all that when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Robertson gets it in front to hits big save by Lukanen. Special delivery, UPL, with a one-on-one showdown against one of the best in the game right now at putting the puck in the net. Anticipating Uko Pekka Lukanen to be the starting goaltender for the Sabres tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. when they take on the St. Louis Blues downtown at KeyBank Center. We'll, of course, have coverage for you right here on WGR and along the Buffalo Sabres radio network. Pre-game show begins at 12 p.m. So... We got into a little bit yesterday about UPL and his contractual status coming up and what that looks like. And Joe, you brought up an interesting point that, you know what, this might be the best time to trade him. I agree with that. I'm not advocating for it necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what the goaltending situation looks a few years down the road if you that much believe in Devin Levi, which I believe the organization does. Right. Levi's a part of it, and I... You know, still believe, and I think there's a ton of evidence to back this up, that he's having a completely normal 21-year-old yep. season for development for a goalie of the... Hey, Lukanen is maybe an example of this. Don't rush to judgment. If you thought if you thought Devin Levi was a top-level goalie prospect, then there's nothing that should have happened this year that it would have swayed you in the other direction because you're also seeing Lukanen. Lukanen was once the Sabres' best goalie prospect, and then he had, I, I would say, three years of development worse than the year Levi's having right now, I, I think, and look what he did this year. He's he's a number one goaltender. He's a top 25 goalie at least, which puts him in the number one category. There's about 50, 60 goalies that play consistently. He's well, he's above average, um, number one level. So he's showing you, hey, Patience. Well, okay, well, with Levi, if you still believe he's going to be your number one one day, or at least think that's likely, well, then now I'm faced with well, how much do I pay Lukanen when the most mm-hmm. likely role for him is to be like the 1B or even just the straight number two behind Devin Levi? How, uh, I'm not saying that's not important at all, but how valuable is that? Because. Again, my idea from yesterday wasn't rushing him off the team. I only would want even consider an idea like this if you're getting something substantial back. Like, can I get a top four defenseman with Lukanen and a pick attached to him or Lukanen and a prospect? Because if that's the case and I get Devin Levi to be my number one someday, I can figure out a 1B goaltender. The good teams rotate that guy every year. They go find a veteran for one or two years. Um the the of course the risk there there's two parts of it that make it tough one i got to be right that you can get a top 4 defenseman for ukapekalukanen i i think that could be right i don't know it 
And then two, you better uh, you you're you're entering back into the uncertainty of what your goalie situation is long term because we don't yet know what Levi ceiling is. There are I'm looking right now, sixty one goaltenders in the NHL making a million dollars or more. Sixty one. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not a ton of money, but you compare that to Lukin, and where is Lukin right now? He is at nine twenty five. He's not even up there yet. Yeah. He's an RFA. He's going to get paid more money. Like, where where does he fall on the, okay, you're comfortable with paying him yeah. this salary going forward? Because if you even want to put him in, let's go, there's 32 teams. I know it's not completely one-to-one in this comparison here. The 32 guy, as far as salary, is Frederick Anderson at $3.7 million. Right. This is according to Cap Friendly, by the way. I mean... You have th- below that. You still have guys, Joe, making three plus million dollars, who are fortieth uh, mm-hmm. and thirty seventh. It goes thirty seven deep, of th- over three million dollars, thirty eight deep. Yeah, is there a bridge deal? Probably that to me is the likely outcome. That's that is probably what's going to happen here. I don't really think he's going to get traded, even if there might be some merit to the idea. It's tough to do, and I think that's unlikely. And I think a long-term extension just doesn't... I don't know. What does that sound like right now? Giving him, after one good year, that's a position where it's even more up and down than some of the... You know, look at Thompson and Cousins, where they had down years immediately after signing contracts. Cousins, Tage had the big year. Um, Goalies up and down. You're going to give him seven years what? You're going to give him four, four and a half million dollars, five million dollars over seven. I think like a three-year deal for like three, three and a half million bucks seems appropriate to me. You're not near the cap yet. You don't do a long-term deal with him. I That, that would be what I think is probable and also I think probably fair, right? You're not giving him a massive cap hit and you're also you know, rewarding him for having the year he's having. I know they're not going to make a like they're not. It wouldn't feel like a deadline deal to you know trade mm-hmm. the uh, the prospects. You know that's not what teams are looking for right now necessarily. And the Bill and the Sabers aren't going to bring in guys right now to make the playoffs. It seems like that's kind of a fruitless effort. You'd be kind of wasting giving up on those guys or getting rid of those guys. But let's say off season comes around, like who fetches the most out of that group? Yesterday, I'm not talking about the guys like Paterka mm-hmm. and Quinn, the guys that are up now. I'm talking about Savoy, Kulik, Rosine. Oslin, those guys. Like, what are you getting back for them? If you if you decide to trade Yuri Kulik, are, are you going to be able to get back a top four defenseman, a top six forward? I don't even know if you can. No, I mean you have to package other add. things in there. Yeah, you got you got to you got to give more than that. No one's giving you a top four defenseman for no. one for one prospect. I don't Correct. Think. Um, but what are you looking at? Are you looking at a one, a two, like a a one, a draft pick? And well, obviously in the NHL, you get middle rounds don't mean as much. That's another thing. It's tough, and that's why I almost wonder if. Offseason makes more sense sense because here we are again. This is another reason why last year felt like the right opportunity. Not even just because you had, I think, earned your way off a bunch of players no trade list or would have made them consider coming here on their own initiative. But last year, where was your first round pick? It was in the teens. That that's that's not that bad. You can stomach that. I'd be very worried to trade my first round pick right now. It's gonna be in the top five. At this rate, it would be sixth if the season yeah. ended today. And who's to say, like, you never, it would be lottery protected, I'm sure. But I don't know. Is that worth it? 
I'm giving up a top prospect and I'm giving up maybe a top five pick too. Like off season, you would be able to trade your pick the next year, maybe more easily. So, but that's the move, Sal. I think it's you're you're giving up your first round pick in the future, and you're giving up Yuri Kulik, and you're getting like a 28 year old top four defenseman. I think that that's the move, and I think Kulik probably has the most value of that group. But I, if you want that guy on his own, I mean, you got to give up Zach Benson. And I don't know if anyone's in, in the, has the appetite no. to do that. Well, I certainly don't. I don't think Kevin Adams does. Now, I, I would also say that sometimes you like I don't want to do that, but I, at some point there might be a trade there that I I like the guy and I'm like, but you got to yeah. you got to do it at some point, right? You got to do it. And there is a guy that is being mentioned with the Sabres in mind this morning. Um hmm. Friedman's talking about the Sabres again on 32 Thoughts, the pot hit the podcast hmm. today. And he it's not again, not a report. Actually, not Friedman, excuse me, Jeff Merrick from SportsNet. Um, says, I wonder about a team like the Buffalo Sabres for Scott Lawton of the Flyers. Maybe offseason, but that's probably a team that's looking for a bit more snarl and veteran presence. And this is what I think is probably most likely. Like, I don't expect, even in the offseason, them to make a move that goes, holy cow, look at that. All right, it's go time. This is going to be awesome. Like, I, this is the type of move I think is more likely. Scott Lawton is 29 He's fine. He's a middle six guy. He had a career-high 18 goals last year, and he's been in the league for 10 years. So like that's the level of player I think we're talking about. I, I don't know how likely it is that they're going to ha- get their hands on a star-level player. Real quickly, just looking over their, um, their pending UFAs, if anybody, is, is anybody interested in guys like this at the deadline? Do you think Olofsson? I doubt it. 4.7? That's yeah. not happening. No. That probably not all. Zemgis, 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 Penalty killer. I think. I think Zem- he could. I can. I've always been able to picture him on the Lightning, just playing like a fourth line role mm. for them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Zemgis is definitely. I think Zemgis gets traded. I, I would bet that finally okay. ends. The guy that has been on this team so long that he played with Henrik Talinder. I think will be <laughs> off the team. Um, Eric Robinson. They traded for him. He's a pending UFA, only making one point six. That's yeah. If someone wants him, I don't know if you're getting anything really. But if some, if you, if he wants to play in the playoffs, and someone wants him, I just think the player is not the kind of player necessarily that's going to help you too much. But maybe a team finds value in Kyle Oposo, and would he be willing to do it? Uh, that's the one to me that is actually the most interesting. Not because of what they'd get back. I don't think the Sabers would right. get much. Right. No. But he has all that veteran leadership and presence mm-hmm. that you might want. He actually, I don't think this is true anymore. No, it's not. There was a there was a moment there where he was on a 20-goal pace. Um, he's not right now. He is, he's got nine goals in 47 games. So we're talking about a 16-goal pace for Oposo right now. So he's giving you a little bit in the goal-scoring department. He does penalty kill for you. So... I could see a team that's about to go in a playoff round. Guys like that get traded all the time, wanting him for like a fifth round pick. But that's going to be more of the personal side, right? Like, does like Poso want to do it? Does he right. do want to? He's got his family here, right? Like, does he want to say, hey, for three months? Well, it won't be three months. March? Yeah, maybe it could be three for two to three months. Uh, Daddy's going to go to, to Colum- not Columbus, um, Vancouver. For one last run at the cup, 
I haven't won the cup. I haven't made the playoffs since I was with the New York Islanders eight years ago. I'm going to step away from my family for a couple months, and I'm going to go try to make one last run at a Stanley Cup. That, that to me, might be up to Oposo. If he comes to them and says, mm-hmm. hey, I gave you one more year. I've been the captain. We, I think I brought these young guys as far as I can bring them. I'm not going to do anything else in the next two months that's going to change anything. I want one more run at a Stanley Cup. If Oposo comes to Kevin Adams and says that, I bet they find him a trade. 100% agree with you. They would they would try to accommodate him in some way. By the way, 24 playoff games he's played in his career, 15 points, 7 goals, 8 assists for Kyle Oposo. When we come back, we'll wrap up your Friday with our Super Bowl 58 picks. All right. Super Bowl 58. L-V-I-I-I. Are you good with Roman numerals, Joe? Uh, I'm getting better. Not my forte. L-V-I-I-I. Aren't we getting to like a really clean-looking one coming up soon? What will 60 well, 60, yeah. Uh, 60 L-I? will be L-X. L-X. Nice. That, that's got a good look to it. Super Bowl L-X. Yeah. Super Bowl Alex. This is called Super Bowl Alex. Who won Super Bowl Alex? LX. Mm-hmm. This one's 58. Chiefs, 49ers. I'll start, Joe, and just tell you that I kind of agree with the analysis of most people, which is how do you really go against Mahomes? And it kills me to do that. It's the same thing with Brady. But Brady did he did lose three of these. He lost two to the Giants. He lost one to the Eagles. I mean, he won six, right? Seven, whatever he won. Seven. <laughs> Six with the Patriots, but it's the same thing for me. Now, Mahomes has lost one, Mm -hmm. but it's very hard to go against. And honestly, I just, I don't, I think the Niners are a very good team, but dude, the Lions had a 17-point lead on them early in the game. Like, they're not this world-beating team. The Packers should have beaten them. The Chiefs with Andy Reid, two weeks to prepare, Patrick Mahomes, I hope I'm wrong, everyone. I hope I'm wrong. I will be rooting for the Niners. I don't love the Niners. Like, oh, my God. It's just I don't want the Chiefs. Mm. I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. I have the Chiefs 27-20. I mean, their defense is too good. They're not going to allow too high of a score. And I just think Mahomes and Kelsey and the offense will be able to. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to score some points. And I'm going to go 27-20 Chiefs. I am going to pick the 49ers. I think they're going to win yes! the game. I, I think I'm I'm happy. Thank you for yes. doing that for me. Thank I you. believe that this is a tough matchup for Kansas City because they have we all know okay. their struggle on defense is run defense. And they did yeah, fine right. against the Bills. The Ravens just chose not to do it. So I don't know what that would have looked like even. The Niners are great running the football. They're one of the best running teams in the league, at least by like DVOA and some of that stuff. Um, McCaffrey. That's why I'm betting at McCaffrey to win MVP of this game. So I think they'll run the ball on the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs' offense is not the same, and that's going to look real in this game. The Niners have a lot of talent on defense. They might be punching below their weight, I would say, in the last few weeks, especially going back to that Baltimore regular season game. But how did Travis Kelsey get so open against the Dolphins and the Bills? The Bills didn't, and the Dolphins didn't have healthy linebackers. And that's going to be important. And the Niners have Fred Warner and Greenlaw. Like they have, they have maybe the best linebacker duo in the league. I thought that would matter more against Baltimore. I guess it didn't. But 
I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. The Chiefs' offense isn't right. Running the ball for the Niners. I got 20-16 to 16 in favor of San Francisco. One thing we didn't do today, congratulations to the Hall of Fame class of 2024. Interesting names, including former Syracuse Orange, Dwight Freeney. Also, Randy Gratishaw, Devin Hester. I kind of have a little bit of an issue with that, but that's okay. He was a great player. Andre Johnson, Steve McMichael, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis. We'll talk about that maybe on Monday when we also dissect the Super Bowl. Sabres Live up next. One Bill's Live after that. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl.